This is the 85th episode of Decoding Fox News, and I'm your host, Juliet Jeske. Each week, I watch and analyze this past week. It was 15 hours of Fox News and then break it down. I watch all the Fox News you'd never want to. Let's get into it. Last week, Fox News used the war in Israel to promote its usual fear-mongering about Black Lives Matter, the border crisis, and all things woke. Now, this first clip I'm going to play for you is addressing a very specific topic, and I'll explain it as we go through it. I love this network, but I've got to ask, who is writing the scripts? Hamas? The people who did this, they are not fighters, Jonathan. They are not militants, and I'm looking right at the camera. They are terrorists. Media madness over their reaction to the terror attacks in Israel. The New York Times publishing a story that referred to Hamas as terrorists. But then they changed it to gunmen and only changed it back after criticism. So the voices you heard there are Jonathan Greenblatt, who's the CEO of the ADL, the Anti-Defamation League, and that was Judge Jeanine Pirro. Now, the next few clips I'm going to play for you are the war correspondents who are working for Fox News reporting on location um, in Gaza and Israel. And All of the soldiers and police officers that were here collecting the bodies of the militants and the officers that were inside this building have just taken cover next to us. Guys, the Lebanese militant group Hezbollah also sending fighters over the border. More than 900 people were killed at the hands of Palestinian militants. I just want to point out that he is using the term militant, not terrorist. Who infiltrated into Israel. Yeah, these militants wanted to inflict the maximum amount of terror against the civilian population here that killed at the hands of these militants. And again, these were not people that were on a military base. They were not engaging them in a gun battle. We have seen graphic, graphic imagery on Telegram and these messaging apps. We've seen the videos and the photos published by these militants and these organizations in Gaza of children, four and five-year-olds that were killed in their homes and they're celebrating it in Gaza. They were women and children, Hamas and Islamic Jihad militants, along with other smaller Palestinian factions. So this is a huge, huge escalation by the factions inside Gaza. And we have to remember how all of this started. It started on Saturday morning when Israeli civilians were sleeping in their homes and Hamas and Islamic Jihad militants, more than a thousand of them, according to Arvin Gurion. Mm-hmm. The difficulty here for Israel is maintaining the possibility that this could erupt into a multi-front conflict. Mm -hmm. There is concern that the Lebanese militant group Hezbollah will get more directly involved, and an American carrier is moving closer to Israel to basically act as a show of force against these militant groups inside Gaza. So the voice you just heard there is Trey Yankst. He's a war correspondent. He's worked for Fox News for a while now. He was reporting from Ukraine previously. His cohorts, the other war correspondents who were all standing there with microphones, talking to a camera, either in Gaza or Israel all last week, also consistently used the term militant, not terrorist, which I noticed immediately because it was a huge difference between the on-air talent. So there was definitely like I was confused. I was like, I don't know why there's this difference. Um, There's good reasons why. The media should show some restraint in hyperbolic language in a situation like this and has nothing to do with 
uh, showing deference to a horrible organization like Hamas. That's not where it's coming from. And we'll open that up later in the podcast, but that was sort of my introduction to the topic. So last week, Fox News decided to go full throttle into the political quagmire that is the Israel-Palestine conflict, even though it appeared that most of its overpaid stuff shirts didn't seem to know much about the history of the region. The network is always a sensational mess of fear-mongering, paranoia-inducing segments steeped in panic. When the news cycle includes a war that is deemed important to the United States, Fox goes converts itself into a bloodlust-filled propaganda nightmare machine. Most of the coverage last week included images of the most heinous atrocities committed by Hamas repeated on a loop, while Fox News hosts found creative ways to weave in concern for the U.S. southern border, defund the police, cashless bail, transgender panic, sleeper terror cells, Black Lives Matter, and all things woke. The legitimate news branch of Fox seemed to openly feud with the opinion side of the network as war correspondents reporting from rocket-shelled cities tempered their message to label Hamas a militant organization, while on-air hosts called them anything from subhuman to savages. In the 15 hours of the network that I analyzed, the word terrorist was used 196 times, whereas militant was used 53 times. On-air talent also seemed completely ignorant about internal political divisions within Israel, which was not surprising, as the network largely ignores the region. Fox News viewers missed out on important context regarding the war and history in the region, as well as a statement by former President Donald J. Trump, where he called Hezbollah, an anti-Israel Iranian-backed militant group, quote, very smart. So the shows that I covered last week are Fox and Friends, The Five, and Jesse Waters Primetime. This first clip I'm going to play for you uh, is made up of different examples of Fox News personalities talking about everything but the war in Israel. Yet, the war in Israel completely dominated the coverage on the network last week. It was over 80%. It was just every single subject. They broke it up, but it was basically every single every single segment. Um, with a few exceptions where they just rip on Biden or talk about something else. But it was very, very heavy-handed. Now... Most of this voice voices you're going to hear in this clip are Greg Gutfeld because he did it. He was a, kind of the worst defender, but he's not the only person who did it because there's a couple different examples. Uh, remember, this. <laughs> this guy said there was no bigger threat to our homeland than white supremacy. So do you think that white supremacists were behind this? They hold more contempt for what they consider political adversaries, uh, Trump supporters, uh, parents that are concerned about their kids than they do for the actual terrorists, right? They, they, they deem those people the danger. Imagine if our intel agencies had focused not on parents and Catholic churches, but maybe on this other stuff. We saw language early on. White privilege, that's a racist term that deemed you an oppressor based on lineage. The neo-Marxist push uh, by the progressive left that shaped BLM, that we must punish the colonizers. Who are the colonizers? Those are the people with white privilege. Hence the free punch, which again, riots, looting, murder, defunding the police. And if you dare question it, if you dare question it in those years after, after the, uh, um, the uh, George Floyd uh, death, God help you. Because the media defended this destructive impulse all the way through, practically fundraising 
for BLM. It's amazing. You know, this is something that I have talked about uh, frequently when it comes to Black Lives Matter, the organization, as well as Black Lives Matter, the people that were marching in the street. The organization is a Marxist organization, uh, very hateful, uh, don't have really the support of the people, and they took a movement and essentially hijacked it for their own um, uh, purposes. I don't want to hear any more about hate speech from anyone about misgendering a woman with a penis. That's gone. The ship has sailed because you're the same people that are defending this. So much ideological overlap here with BLM and Hamas and radical gender militants and activists. Just me. Uh, but they, this administration does seem eternally surprised by things, whether it's the six billion or the pullout or the effects of like defunding the police or abolishing cash bail or legalizing theft, which creates more theft, or elevate, elevating sanctuary cities to sainthood, to them, cause and effect is like a foreign concept. So that other voice that you heard in that string of clips is Lawrence Jones. He's the latest person who's been added to the cast of Fox and Friends. He's a young black man who's worked with Fox for a while now. They've kind of bounced him around, and now he's one of the permanent um, members of Fox and Friends. Uh, I was like betting money in my head kind of as a joke that Greg Gutfeld would find a way to talk about his beef with the transgender community somehow when discussing the Israel-Hamas war, and he did so twice. Twice. Amazing. I just, I was like, wow. I mean, George Floyd got in there, Black Lives Matter, defund the police, uh, cashless bail, like, no penalty for shoplifting, I think is what he was talking about there. All of us are just at the back going, this is like, this is like a tapestry of subjects that have nothing to do with the war in Israel, Gaza, or Israel, Hamas, I should say, that you are just forcing in there because you don't even, you don't know what to talk about with this, this subject, or you just don't care and you're going to push your agenda anyway, which is, it could be both. I don't know. It was horrible to watch this. I was like, there's so much to discuss with this conflict. You don't need to talk about other things, but Fox just can't help themselves. Later, they get even worse when they talk about the border. But this next clip is a woman who works as an opinion editor at Newsweek. Her name's Bacha Unger-Sargon. And she, uh, and this was just stunning for me as somebody who was born in the 70s, tries to work in uh, the Free Palestine Movement in with wokeness. No, I'm not kidding. Here we go. These are the death throes of the woke movement. A lot of good-hearted leftists and Democrats got bamboozled by this movement into thinking that this is how you stand up for justice. And it is now so clear the corruption, the moral rot at the heart of the progressive movement, it is becoming clearer by the day, and people are really seeing it. I think this could be, like, last night I talked to Batia Unger-Sargon of Newsweek, and she says this is the beginning of end of woke. She says this is a turning point because people get people have died, the brutality that we see, and people still have knee-jerk reactions to it's got to be Israel's fault. And those people are sobering up and saying, not only is it not Israel's fault, you're fired. But Brian, do you... Do so I have no idea what Brian Kilmeade meant by you're fired at the end of that. I've watched that clip more than once. I've seen the full context. I'm still like, what are you, what are you talking about? You're fired? Okay. Um, uh, Equating wokeness with the Free Palestine Movement is a little bizarre to me because I'm old and um, I remember when I was in high school, I was born in the 70s, uh, 
I remember I used to get this catalog. Uh, we were so excited about it. It was like this cheap piece of paper. It was before the internet, really. And it was called Burning Airlines. If you're my age, you might know of it. And we were, my sister and I were huge alternative music fans. And you could get like albums you could get in the US, punk rock clothing, uh, posters, stuff, t shirts, fun stuff like that. I used to get posters and stuff from Burning Airlines. I loved it. And they had Free Palestine stuff back then. So this was like, I'm going to kind of reveal my age. About 30 years ago, Free Palestine was all over the place in this catalog. So uh, I'm a little confused how, like, because woke has sort of become the catch-all weird phrase that, you know, Fox uses to put a huge umbrella over everything they disagree with. Uh, and so I, I don't know what they're talking about with the whole woke. Now, I think there's an argument to be made. I'm not going to share my political beliefs here uh, about people being misguided. That's her opinion. You may or may not agree with her on supporting free Palestine. I'm not going to get into that, but that's an argument. I'll just say that. That's an argument. Uh, however, to lump it in with all things woke is a bit bizarre to me. Just very, somebody my age, I'm going, what are you talking about? You've only started pushing woke maybe a year ago, and now apparently a movement that's been around for decades is also, I, I, I'm very confused. I'm very, very confused. I openly, I openly laughed at that the first time she said it. I said, are you, are you kidding me? Because, like, you're including, again, all the things that Greg Gutfeld just talked about would also be considered, quote-unquote, woke. Now we're going to go to even crazier places. This uh, Fox News, because uh, the border crisis is, like, ever-present, evergreen on the network. They always push it. And the, the next few collection of quotes, I'm just going to, again, I'm just going to play it. You can hear it. It's just mind-boggling. Um was Fox News's attempt to somehow conflate, combine uh, the crisis in Israel-Palestine with the U.S. southern border. What? I know. Does that make any sense? If you know anything about the conflict in Israel-Palestine, it makes no sense to equate that with the U.S. southern border. But I'll discuss after I play this series of just jaw-dropping, you can't even believe they're saying this, Nonsense. The point of a border is to keep bad people out. Mm -hmm. And you're not doing that. We're screwed. And how long until this spills over into our country? Border Patrol just apprehended two Lebanese nationals yesterday. We don't want Brownsville to become Beirut. People thinking about it at home? They're thinking about what about our border? They're thinking about, well, you know, of course, we're the big Satan and they're the little Satan. And I'm thinking about 6,000 plus Afghanis. Uh, uh, these are called alien apprehensions at the border. I'm thinking about in Lebanon, 164, um, Iran, 659, even Turkey, 30,000. Should we think that all these people want to be part of the American dream? What you're saying, Bill, is that the Egyptians want to protect their border and know who's coming into their country. Thank that you. is a novel concept. Thank you very uh, much, Bill. Uh, I think that right now we have to talk about our vulnerability, mm. right? Our immediate threat. And we have one. It's called the southern border and it's unprotected. And it would have been nice for him to say we're going to close. We're going to, we're, you know, treat it like we did with COVID, right? We got, we got to close the border. We got to get troops down there. Uh, we got to treat this as a serious threat to the United States. How did we not know that this was happening? If we don't know what's happening, what, what could happen in other countries? What could happen in America where we're not aware? <laughs> and then they just come to us in the middle of the night and then do something similar. Tens of thousands of Muslim ghosts 
We don't know who they are. We don't know where they came from, but they came from a bad neighborhood with terror problems. What is going to happen now? So they're not only coming here, they are already here. The United States is the most vulnerable it has been to a terror attack in the last 20 years. We are looking at a significant risk of another 9-11 in our country because of Joe Biden's open border policies. The tactics, the targets may be different, uh, but the threat is there and the threat is real. They're so I should introduce that voice. Um, that is Amber Smith, former deputy assistant to the defense secretary. Um, she's from the Trump administration. And what she says is true, of course. We could have another terrorist attack at any moment, but that's true all the time anyway. I, it's not really related to the Hamas-Israel situation. Now, uh, Hamas has one singular focus, and that's they want all of Israel. They want all of the land. They don't want a single Jew living on it. Uh, they don't compromise. They're not reasonable people. I think we already saw that with the atrocities that were committed during the massacre on Israel last week. Now, I'll get more into Hamas later in the podcast. It's, this is a very difficult podcast for me to do because there's so much to unpack here. But I just want to note, I could have done four podcasts from last week. There were just so many clips and they were all just just rife with problematic things. Uh, I just want to point out that a country or an area, the Gaza Strip, being ruled by religious extremists who are hell-bent on taking over Israel, which is basically their stated goal, is quite different from poor people from Guatemala who are in an unstable situation, uh, who are trying to seek out a better life, crossing into our southern border. It's just a very different situation. And many of our terrorists have actually been homegrown American citizens who for whatever reason, decided they were going to, you know, fight the government. Timothy McVeigh is probably the best example. White American former veteran, you know, went down these horrible dark paths into white supremacy and anti-government extremism, and he lashed out and killed hundreds of people. So speaking about Hamas, uh, this is Jesse Waters talking about Hamas and the Palestinians. And it starts off that he sort of keeps them as separate entities and then goes straight into kind of conflating the two as one. Here we go. The only thing harder than living in Gaza is leaving Gaza. This is a massive Palestinian traffic jam inching south away from Gaza City after Israel repeatedly warned civilians to evacuate before the ground invasion begins. But Hamas told the Palestinians to ignore Israel's instructions. Hamas telling Palestinians, you're going nowhere. Stay as our human shields and let us film your death to elicit the global outcry needed to restrain the Israeli ground operation. This is a cunning and immoral military strategy that also doubles as a PR strategy. The only thing that can stop the Israeli victory over Hamas is Palestinian collateral damage that Hamas is actively orchestrating. And the higher the Palestinian body count, the sooner the West stops Netanyahu. The United Nations is already serving as Hamas surrogates. The scale and speed of the unfolding humanitarian crisis is bone chilling. Gaza is fast becoming a hellhole and is on the brink of collapse. So what do we know about the Palestinian people? Well, the people the entire world seems to sympathize for. 40% of Palestinians support suicide bombings. 
That's the highest level of support in the entire world. The Palestinians have also chosen Hamas to represent the controlling faction of their government. The government charter describes killing Jews as one of its highest priorities. So, the Israeli military is marching into a bombed-out husk of a city riddled with tunnels and terrorists and populated by a Palestinian people who not only harbor Hamas, but are willing to die for Hamas. So that last line is incredibly um, horrible. Um because that's making a lot of assumptions. So let me give you a little bit more background about Hamas. So Hamas rules over Palestinians with an iron fist in Gaza. Dissent is not allowed. So the most recent protest by Palestinians against Hamas, that's in Gaza, Palestinians protesting against this government of sorts, happened as recently as July, when thousands took to the streets over power outages and poor living conditions. Um, this protest was immediately pushed back by Hamas. One of the largest protests inside Gaza against Hamas occurred in 2019. Hamas security responded by beating protesters and firing live ammunition into the air. Dozens of people were arrested and had their homes raided. Almost half the population of Gaza is under the age of 18. Children cannot vote, much less have much influence on their government. Now, if that last statement that Jesse Waters made was true, there would not be this massive evacuation that's occurring in Gaza. We can see it. You can see the people trying to get out. If every Palestinian, as he puts it, or inf implies that most Palestinians would die for Hamas, then they wouldn't be leaving. They would be staying put and just say, take it. I also want to add some quick context to the statement by the person from the UN. The hellhole comment is the fact that um, Israel had cut off has cut off the electricity, the fuel, and the uh, water to the Gaza Strip. I just want to give a quick shout out to my sponsor uh, before I move on to the next section, because it's going to get a little dark. Um, so very quickly, Decoding Fox News is a startup media project that is run by one person. That one person is me. I get all of my funding from listeners to this podcast and readers of my newsletter at Substack for Decoding Fox News. I also have supporters on my Patreon for Decoding Fox News. That's it. I have no large donor. I have no grant. I have no advertisers. The only way this is possible is from people like yourself. If you would like to become a paid subscriber, you can go to Decoding Fox News at my Substack or you can go to my Patreon and become a supporter that way. If you'd like to, if you can't afford to become a paid subscriber, but you want to support the project, my recommendation is to share this podcast, share a newsletter with a friend and move it forward. Uh, and that's it. So this next section, uh, I was very deeply concerned because as I'm watching this, uh, it, it, last week was textbook propaganda. And when I mean textbook propaganda, this is exactly how propaganda is made. This is it. Um, now I'm going to go back to the beginning, the very first clip that I played, and I tried my best, I'm very humbled by this task, to explain why journalists shouldn't use hyperbolic language. It's easy to see why anyone would want to dehumanize and demonize a group as loathsome as Hamas. Any organization that seemingly cares so little about human beings does indeed seem demonic. Now, the same hyperbolic language was used. That's very heated language, uh, emotional language, was used throughout the entire network. 
last week, except for the war correspondence. Uh, Jesse Waters gave me the best examples, so this entire clip is all Jesse Waters. Here you go. Radical Muslims murdered innocent men in front of their families. Israel launched a counteroffensive against these barbarians. A civilized nation forced to deal with savages who don't follow the code of military conduct. Subhuman jihadists ripping families apart, snatching hostages, kidnapping children. We are not witnessing a civilized battle. These are animals committing atrocities against civilians, humanity, and pure evil. So I completely understand and hear and acknowledge the frustration that many are feeling that members of the press are not attacking Hamas with the same kind of fervor that Jesse Waters just did there. But there are very good reasons why journalists avoid using terms like this. Hamas will not suffer when anyone on Fox News calls them monsters or subhuman. Those vicious extremists will face the full wrath of the Israeli Defense Forces. I have no doubt that anyone who was featured in a video harming an Israeli civilian during the massacre will be hunted down and killed or imprisoned for life. In this case, the unintended targets of hateful words are often innocent Americans. After the terrorist attack on 9-11, violent hate crimes directed towards Muslims and Arabs dramatically spiked. In some cases, people who were mistaken for Muslim were murdered in bigoted, hate-fueled attacks. And sadly, we have a perfect example. I shouldn't say perfect. I don't know how to put this. We have an example of how propaganda fueled a murder of a six-year-old child that uh, I, I don't think I've seen a clearer I'll say that clearer example of, of propaganda directly leading to violence in, in my lifetime. So here we go. On Saturday in Plainfield Township, Illinois, a 32-year-old Palestinian immigrant from the West Bank, Hanin Chanin, was attacked by Joseph M. Kruzba, her 71-year-old landlord, who confronted her, quote, about what was going on in the Middle East, end quote, according to a court filing. Kruzva's wife told investigators that after the Hamas massacre last week, he told Shanine that she had to move out of the first floor of his home because he believed, and this is the actual quote, believed that they were in danger and that Shanine was going to call over her Palestinian friends or family to harm them, according to the court filing. Shanine stated that she responded to him by saying, let's pray for peace, and was immediately attacked by Kruzba, who repeatedly stabbed her as he shouted, you Muslims must die. She managed to make it to her bathroom where she called 911 but was unable to grab her son. While Shanine hid in the bathroom with more than a dozen stab wounds, Kruzba stabbed her six-year-old Wada Afayon 26 times. He did not survive his injuries. Joseph M. Kruzba of Plainfield was charged with first-degree murder, attempted first-degree murder, two counts of hate crimes, and aggravated battery with a deadly weapon, according to the sheriff's office. According to prosecutors, Kruzba was an avid listener of conservative talk radio and became overly paranoid and concerned about the young Palestinian mother and her son living in the first floor of his home. So this is just my opinion. I have experienced some of the conservative talk radio the language used on most conservative talk radio is so harsh and vitriolic, it makes Fox News look like MSNBC.
So both Jews and Muslims have been targets of hatred based on their religion. Some unhinged consumers of hateful propaganda may not differentiate between an innocent Muslim boy and Hamas. Kruzba could have just as easily been motivated by anti-Semitism and attacked a Jewish family for living in his home as Jews are often demonized in extreme right-wing media. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I was horrified by the story. The details horrified me more. I, my heart goes out to that poor. The mother of this child was unable to go to the funeral because she's still in the hospital. Her wounds were that bad. And I can't imagine the guilt she must feel for being, you know, she ran into this bathroom to, because she was being stabbed and locked the door, called 911, called this boy's father as well. And meanwhile, her son was murdered while she was in the bathroom, probably bleeding all over the place. I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine living with that kind of guilt. That poor woman. It's not her fault what happened, of course. It's not her fault that she didn't somehow magically grab her son at the same time. She probably couldn't get to her son. It's just a, just a horrifying image. And, and this poor woman has been in the U.S. for 12 years. This boy was born here. He's an American citizen. They have nothing to do with Hamas. They had nothing to do with any of this. It's absolutely horrific. So I, I, I made a separate chart of just the language used on Fox. Um, evil. 40 times, behead or decapitate, 36 times, massacre, 28, slaughter, 24, savage, 16, animal, 11, barbarian, 11, radical Muslim or radical Islam, 10, beast, 2, monster, 2, and subhuman, 1. <sighs> Avoiding language like that is not taking away from the pain and the anguish and the misery that so many Israeli families are feeling right now. It's not meant to. They also are going through so much and it's so horrible. And I feel for them. But we don't want to add to this with whipping up hate and fear and paranoia like Fox does every single week, every single day. And like talk radio does. These people profiting, making millions of dollars, some of them, off of spreading hate. And who's the victim? A six-year-old boy in Illinois who did nothing wrong. Who just happened to be born with a religion that made this other man angry. That's it. So that is my best explanation for why people use the term militant and not terrorist. And that might make you mad. That might make you, you might disagree with me. And I understand that. I'm doing my best here. But that story of this little boy who got chopped up by a lunatic who very clearly they knew immediately was whipped up into this frenzy by talk radio. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it better than actually showing that example. And at the same time, I saw an image from a Jewish school where someone threw red paint all over the school as some sort of protest. Of course, nobody was harmed, but terrifying to be a little kid and see that. And these are, again, are Americans. These are American children who have no say whatsoever over the actions of the Israeli government. It's terrifying. That's what I'm worried about more than anything is how bad this is gonna spread. The conflict is bad enough. How, how much worse is it gonna get when people who have absolutely no stake in it whatsoever become victims because there are people, again, profiting to the tune of millions whipping up fear and paranoia.
That's the problem with propaganda. That's the dangers of propaganda. Uh, you know, uh, Tucker Carlson scared me for, for as long as I've studied him. He scared me because he would do that exact thing. He would just paranoia, paranoia, fear, fear, fear. Grab your gun, grab your gun, grab your gun. That's what he preaches. It's disturbing. In this case, it was talk radio. I'd love to know which show. I, I'm sorry they didn't include which programs because there's some really nasty ones out there. Oh, my goodness. Now, this next one, we're going to kind of change change tone a little bit. This guy was my hero. It's going to get a little bit lighter. This subject, I'm telling you, is just awful, awful. But this next guy, he gave me hope. Robbie Berman. He's an Israeli tour guide, lives in Tel Aviv, witnessed the rocket attack. He sounds like he's from Brooklyn. His accent and his demeanor reminded me very much of a man from Brooklyn. He got a chance to speak on Fox and Friends, and he was my favorite kind of guest on Fox and Friends in that he did not hold back. He did not play by the rules. He was a Fox guest goes rogue. I won't do the bit because I don't think it's appropriate given the subject matter. But again, Robbie Berman, you're my hero. <laughs> he talked a mile a minute, which is another reason why I think he's a New Yorker. And um, he was just very opinionated. He, Brian Kilmeade was interviewing him. And I, I wish I could play the whole clip, but it's too long. I'll just play the ending. So Robbie Berman took this as his moment, and he just gave his opinion about a number of things. It talked a mile a minute, very aggressive talker. I loved him. And um, Kilmeade just sat back with his jaw dropped, could not stop him, could not in interject. It was beautiful to see. Um, this clip starts off, I'll give some context because otherwise the clip doesn't make sense, with Robbie Berman talking about a funeral his friends are planning for their child who was killed um, during the massacre on Israel. So we still are waiting to, for the funeral. We're waiting for the funeral. It is helter-skelter, there's chaos. The government is not, is, is not functioning the way it should, and we're right. hoping now that the country is going to rally around the government, rally around the army. Yep. We're gonna do what we have to do, and later on, there will be accountability for, uh, for, for a mistake, for a screw-up that is unforgivable by everyone. I hear you, but you do have a guy, the most experienced in Israeli history, uh, at the helm, who knows, uh, is not afraid uh, uh, he, to get but, he, but, the buck stop, but the buck stops with him, and he is responsible, and there will be an inquiry, sure. there will be a commission, and someone will be happy held accountable for the, one of the worst tragedies since the Yom Kippur War, Robbie. where I think in the whole Lebanese war, only 670 soldiers were killed over a one-year period. Here we had 700, 800 people killed in one day, and it's not even over yet. I hear you. Uh, absolutely. But he's the right guy in charge in terms of uh, putting the hammer down. Meanwhile, thank you, Robbie. Appreciate it. Stay safe. I just want to point out a couple of things. Normally, uh, Fox will allow the guests to say goodbye at the end of their clip. They cut him off. They just cut him off. Went right back to kill me. Nothing. No, thanks for, thanks for appearing. Nothing. They just cut him off. They're like, no, 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 we can't let this guy talk. And I'm cheering. I'm cheering on my end. And the reason why I was so mad is uh, because since I started this project in February 2022, I noticed immediately that PBS would report on, you know, little uh, skirmishes, little acts of violence that kind of occur all the time in Israel-Palestine and other political stories about Israel-Palestine um, frequently. And Fox always ignored it. The shows that I watched, at least, always ignored it. And I noticed it early on in the project, and it bothered me. And I and now I have a list. I went through the entire spreadsheet, and I have 76. I'm just going to 
I'm still compiling it. I'm going through and making sure that there's no overlap with Fox. Anything that's overlap with Fox, I'll pull it out. But it's a lot. And um, since Fox News hasn't reported on much from the region, you could tell Kilmeade had no idea that Netanyahu might have critics in Israel. Um, so Netanyahu and his far right-wing coalition passed a law that limited the power of the judiciary. Many critics of the legislation said it would threaten democracy in the country, and there were protests against the law before it was even passed. So critics also claim that Netanyahu was attempting to limit the power of the courts to save himself from corruption charges. He's facing charges involved with fraud, breach of trust, and accepting bribes in three separate scandals. His trial has stretched on since 2020 and has featured over 40 prosecution witnesses, including some of the prime minister's former close associates who have testified against him. This country has been grappling with political unrest as voters have gone to the polls five times in less than four years, each time as a means, as a challenge to Netanyahu's power. So I'm sorry, but your viewers need to know that context. And they don't know that context. They think this came out of nowhere. Hamas openly admitted that they used this politi the political divisions as the perfect time to strike even though Hamas had been planning this for two solid years. Now, this next clip is a quick clip that sort of reinforces the one you just heard. Um, it's from Wednesday. The voice you're going to hear is Layla Milana Allen. She's a special correspondent. Uh, she was reporting from Israel and Gaza. In this clip, she's interviewing a couple people who live in the southern portion of Israel right next to, this town is right next to Gaza, and um, their words kind of speak for themselves. The second person you're going to hear, they're both, uh, the both the voices you're going to hear are a translator. But the second voice you're going to hear is a tiny, diminutive uh, senior citizen. She's probably in her 70s, if not 80s, tiny woman. And she's got a walker. She's kind of leaning on like a medical walker and um, just as frail as you could possibly imagine. And my heart goes out to her because she, she refuses to evacuate, but she'll explain. There's been an evacuation order which suggests to some people that a ground invasion is planned. But as some residents start to clear out of town, others are refusing to budge. No, they can't tell me to go away. Gina Halfon says she trusted her government to protect them, and it didn't. So why would she listen now? Ben-Gavir is Satan. Netanyahu is even worse, and we're paying the price here. Terrorists in Starod slaughtered soldiers. Where is my prime minister? Where is my country? I'm not going anywhere. Just moments after we left Terod, another gun battle broke out between security forces and Hamas militants. PBS also in, uh, interviewed another family in the northern part of Israel that had a very similar sentiment. They actually said they were going to like move out of the country because of Netanyahu. Um, yeah, there's a lot more to this story than Fox is uh, telling their viewers. Uh, these... Next clip is, I found this funny. I'm trying to lighten this up a little bit. This one was funny because it was uh, Jesse Waters talking about war like he's a child being schooled by an actual Navy SEAL. It's very brief, but um, it was fun to watch this one. And trying to slit someone's throat who's hiding behind a corner. Jonathan, tell me what it's going to be like for these guys to go into this area and extract revenge. 
Well, first of all, they uh, revenge should be the last thing on their mind. The tactics of taking out Hamas um, should be the, the the main focus on on and also rescuing these hostages. But here's one. So that I was cheering. I actually cheered. I was like, yes, because like Waters literally sounds like a child talking about like, I'm going to play, you know, a video game. And that was Jonathan Gillum, a professional, serious um, former soldier who knows what he's talking about. And he basically says, yeah, it's not about revenge. It's about the mission, which is taking out Hamas and getting these innocent Israelis back to Israel. Is basically what he's saying. Um, and I, I was I was like, well played. Could have done an entire podcast just on Jesse Waters. He had another uh, moment with Bill Barr where Bill Barr just looked at him like, you're an idiot. He didn't say anything, but Bill Barr just gave him a look like, you've got to be kidding me. Oh, my goodness. Uh, so this next clip is a little bit more uplifting. Uh, this has been such a difficult thing to cover because I have to show you what's on Fox and all of it's this bad. All of it's depressing. There's so many layers to this, too. I could have I could have done five podcasts easily. Um, I tried to my I tried my best to to find the best clips to show the story as well as I could. What Fox was missing, what Fox was promoting, all of that. How they weaved in, you know, stories that have nothing to do with this conflict. This last clip is from Rabbi Atel Goldwich, who is an American from Brooklyn in Israel. Um, and I thought he had some amazing insight on what's really going on with Hamas, and kind of offered a little bit of hope. I don't know if there is hope here. I don't know. This is such a depressing uh, story and I have my heart goes out to everyone in the region. It's been horrific to cover. It's been horrific to watch Fox twist this. It's just it's really rough. Uh, there's nothing else they really reported on, so I've got nothing else for you except for material on this horrific, horrific crisis. So here's the rabbi. And what they've told me is that only people who've been educated for hatred from such a young age could do something so horrific. It's not something that happens. It is something that is a full system that is training from their kids until then when they become militants mm -hmm. to hate and they, and they become so bloodthirsty. And therefore the whole system needs to be brought down. It's a full terror system. That's the only way one could explain the horrors that, that they're seeing and they're trying to give the final respect. And we have to bring this system down. This is a, yeah. a battle of good versus evil. And your earlier message, we are not broken. That's what you're telling your kids. And that's what you're telling the world. Rabbi, thank you very much yes. for joining us today. God bless you. And thank good you luck. so much. And, and I would say that the words of President Biden were very heartfelt here in Israel. And we appreciate that so much. Well, thank you very much for sharing that. So I loved ending with that because I love how the fact the rabbi got in the the shout out to Biden at the end there, which, of course, Fox <laughs> would never want to happen because they were bashing Biden all last week. Um, but I also like how he the he put the blame on the system that has caused this, not the people. He didn't say the people are evil. He said the system is evil. And if we get rid of the system, we can change the world. We can, you know, maybe cut down on this hate, cut down on the violence. Now, many could argue, and this is not my argument, I'm, this is not my personal opinion, but many could argue that the uh, Israeli government's policy of kind of sealing off Hamas and enclosing two million people in this very small space didn't ultimately work because this happened. Others could argue that no, Israel needs to double down and make this, uh, Israel needs to double down and make it even more of like this fortress around this area. 
I'm not pushing my own personal beliefs. I'm just saying that that could be something that could happen. I hope that there is some form of change that makes it better for both Israelis and Palestinians in this situation. I might just be a dreamer who is unrealistic, but I, I have to have hope that it will get better somehow. It, you know, it's been, it's an incredibly depressing situation. Um, I hope the Palestinians, at least if nothing else, get better leadership than Hamas. That would be nice, if nothing else. End up with better leadership than corrupt uh, people who brutalize them and, and live large while they're starving. And I hope that this violence stops, this constant back and forth between these two groups of people stop. But I don't know. I'm not an expert. And I, you know, I'm just a, a journalist and I shouldn't be pushing my personal beliefs on anybody. So again, if you don't agree with anything I've said, that's fine. You can believe whatever you want. Uh, I'm not here to promote my own personal uh, political agenda. I'm here to point out propaganda on Fox News. Um, and I just thought the rabbi had some nice things to say there. Um, so every week I compare the hours we're back to stories Fox News ignored. Uh, I wish I could do a Judge Jeanine impression. I just don't want to be inappropriate. And this has just been such a heavy topic. I'll do a very quick one. I'm Judge Janine. I need a box of white Z and a pen, particularly a big pen. So when I throw it, I can hit Greg Gutfeld right between the eyes. And I can tell Jesse Waters to shut up. Judge Janine, I've got poodles. I like York peppermint patties. Okay, that's that's my job. Oh, I got to turn that way down. I went really loud with that one. So anyway, these are the stories that Fox News ignored. Every week I compare the hours I covered on Fox News to five hours of the PBS News Hour. The following list is the top stories. I had to truncate it a little bit. PBS covered that Fox News did not. Developments in the war in Ukraine. Russia lost its bid to regain a seat at the top Human Rights Council in the United Nations. Last year, the Assembly voted to suspend Russia from its position on the Council after its invasion of Ukraine. Ukraine President Volodymyr Zelensky met with NATO Chief uh, Jens Stoltenberg and U.S. President of Defense Lloyd Austin in Brussels, Belgium. The meeting focused on priorities for Ukraine and how the country could survive the next winter. Climate disasters not covered on Fox. So the death toll from flash floods in India climbed to 74, with at least 100 people still missing. The floods followed excessive rain, which caused a glacial lake to burst its banks in the Indian Himalayans. PBS produced another segment about the aftermath of the wildfires in Maui. The story was focused on preserving the history and heritage on the island. Hurricane Lydia made landfall in Mexico as a Category 4 hurricane near the resort of Puerto Vallarta. Winds reached 140 miles per hour before slowing down as it moved inland. One person was killed from a falling tree and two more were injured. Now we have a positive story. Simone Biles became the most decorated gymnast in the history of the sport after she won her sixth all-around world championship gold in the gymnastics world championships the goat greatest of all time there you go olympic gold medalist mary lou retton 55 is currently in intensive care from a rare form of severe pneumonia her family has set up a crowd funding page to help her pay for medical bills as retton does not have health insurance which that alone is a shame that's she's in texas it's harder to get 
health insurance in Texas. I know that from friends. Afghanistan was hit by another 6.3 magnitude earthquake after being devastated by multiple quakes weeks earlier. Entire villages were destroyed, and the aid group Save the Children reported four deaths and 153 injuries. Wall Street Journal reporter Evan Gersonovich will remain in a Russian jail until at least November 30th after losing his latest appeal. The 31-year-old U.S. citizen was arrested and detained in March by Russian officials on false espionage charges. Federal prosecutors on Long Island filed more criminal charges against Representative George Santos of New York for stealing donors' identities, making charges on credit cards without authorization, and lying to federal election officials. NASA revealed samples taken from a 4.5 billion year old asteroid. It showed evidence of high carbon content in water. Together, they could indicate the building blocks to life on Earth. The intake and output of carbon is a component of all plant and animal life on Earth, which is true. Take organic chemistry, it will blow your mind. Okay, it's a really hard course. NASA also announced a new six-year mission to reach and collect samples from a rare metal-covered asteroid. Hughes Van Ellis, a survivor of the racially motivated Tulsa massacre, died at the age of 102. The Tulsa massacre occurred in 1921, when a mob of white people stormed a thriving district known as Black Wall Street and burned most of it to the ground. As many as 300 people died and 1,200 homes were destroyed in the attack. Scores for the college admissions test, ACT, were the lowest in the past 30 years. Scores have been falling for the past six years, but, were trend, but the trend accelerated during the COVID-19 pandemic. The Supreme Court is taking up a new case over redistricting in South Carolina. The justices will decide if a newly created district was made to disenfranchise black voters. Republican Rep. Nancy Mace currently represents the new district. The White House criticized former President Donald J. Trump after his statements about Hezbollah, an Iranian-backed militant group based in Lebanon. President Trump, former President Trump, referred to the group as very smart. Social Security beneficiaries will receive a 3.2% increase in payments to keep up with inflation. According to U.S. officials, North Korea has supplied Russia with weapons for use in the war in Ukraine. PBS included a segment about the debate surrounding drug decriminalization in Oregon. Three years ago, 58% of residents voted to decriminalize drugs. After an increase in crime and overdose deaths, almost the same amount of voters want to repeal the law. As part of her America at the Crossroads series, Judah Woodruff produced a segment about what free speech means on college campuses. I have a link to that in the newsletter. It's a very good segment. One police officer was acquitted while another was convicted in the chokehold-related death of Elijah McLean, a 23-year-old black man. Three police officers and two paramedics have been charged with his death and are being tried in three separate trials. McLean had committed no crime at the time he was detained and had no prior criminal convictions. He was wearing a face mask at the time of his arrest for medical reasons. A bystander called 911 saying he looked sketchy, which is why he was arrested. Now, as I noticed before on this uh, podcast multiple times, uh, Fox routinely ignores stories where black people are victimized by police officers. They just just don't talk about it. So by the numbers, uh, the top five topics for Fox News, this is the most lopsided I've ever seen it. 87% was dedicated to the Israel-Hamas war. 5% Biden bashing. 3% search for new Speaker of the House. 1% border crisis. And 1% was one more thing, which is a regular segment on The Five that's just sort of a goofy... 
uh, segment at the end of the show. PBS NewsHour, top five topics, same week. 45% is Israel-Hamas war. 15%, no Speaker of the House. 5%, free speech on college campuses. 4%, drug legalization debate in Oregon. And 3% was author profile, which is just people talking about their books. So words used on Fox for the week ending uh, December 15th, 2023. Israel, this is the highest it's ever been for any topic. 1,182 times. Hamas, 619 times. Gaza, 451 times. Iran, 245. Terrorist, 196. Biden, 173. Uh, border, 151. Netanyahu, 54. Militant, 53. Trump, only 25 times. Crime, 17. AOC, 16 times. China, 14. Rashida Tlaib, 13 times. Hunter, yes, Hunter Biden made it four times. Inflation, three. The reason why Rashida Tlaib, who's a congresswoman, was on uh, off on the list so much this week is she, uh, they kept doing segments about the fact, they were outraged at the fact that she had a Palestinian flag outside of her office in Congress. She also has an American flag and the state flag. And they've said pride flag, but I didn't see the pride flag. They said that she had one, but they kept showing pictures and there was, I didn't see a pride flag. Um, Rashida Tlaib is um, of Palestinian descent. Both of her parents were Palestinian immigrants. So I, I understand why she would have that flag. Um, nobody mentioned that except for Jessica Tarloff. And I thought that was a bit unfair. Um, again, I'm leaving my feelings about this conflict out. Um, I, you know, I'm sorry this wasn't a funny one. I try to do my best. I have to be honest about what Fox covers. In some weeks, it's it's dire. And last week it was. Um, however, I, you know, I'm trying my best to show you how they're breaking the, these things down, how they're manipulating their audience. They leave them out in the cold. They don't tell them the full story. They're making this about the border. They're making this about trans people, which makes no sense. Uh, I have a feeling it's going to let up a little bit this week because they tend, they did the same exact thing with Ukraine. When it, that war first started, it was all Ukraine all the time, and then they tapered off. I have a feeling the same thing's going to happen. Again, if you'd like to become a supporter of this podcast, you can go to Decoding Fox News on my Substack. You can go to my Patreon for Decoding Fox News. You can share this podcast, share the newsletter. Uh, my podcast mascots, Odin and Thor, send their love. They're cats. And I will see you at the next podcast. Thank you so much for listening.